Hi, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live. And my guest today is someone you all know, Anson Williams, and you probably know him. I shouldn't say this. You could know him from so much that he does, but happy days, Potsy. And I'm, I must say, I'm gonna turn this over to you in a second, but you know, I did something that I rarely do. I, I Googled you. I don't like to know too much before I start, but right. I found out a couple of really interesting things. And can we start? You, you, you take a turn, say hello. Hi, so <laughs> great to be on and uh, <laughs> a very pleasant afternoon. Okay, good, I think it will be. Yeah. Um, so my first question is, you were young when you started on Happy Days. Yes. And how did that come about that you became an actor and that you got this particular role? Boy, um, talk about divine intervention. Uh, seriously. No, I, I always had this, it wasn't really for becoming an actor. I was always very affected by Broadway and musicals, you know, that kind of growing up. Okay. Probably for my mother who never had a chance to really do it. Uh, what, was but, she uh, best, what was she best at? She was actually, she loved singing and, and, she, and she actually had a, a big opportunity once in her young life that was, you know, because of family and whatever was taken away from her at a young life. Mm. So she never had that up. She never really grabbed what she should have been able to obtain. But so I, but I kept it quiet. You know, I mean, I, it wasn't a thing you talked about. And then when I was 18, I just, I said, I'm, I'm going for it. So I was, I mean, literally back then, <clears throat> You leave your house at 18, you're, you're working 82 part-time jobs to try to pay the rent, which was a lot more reasonable back then. Good like for you, you were doing all that? I was, I've been totally independent since I was 18. I'm so impressed. And, um, oh yeah, in fact, I retired my parents. I walked out, I walked out really we had $100 in the bank, a, a GI bill house, three, you know, three little bedrooms, one bathroom, um, anything you want to, large in life you had to work for. Always had the basics, but, um, but it was still a really, you know, it was a nice life, but a very, you know, lower middle-class life. So I walked out with nothing, you know, part-time job, trying to go to school too. And I started uh, from scratch. Didn't know anyone in the business, but I had a feeling. And I think everyone out there, I think you've all, you all can feel a push. You can yeah. feel a push and too many times people um, kind of take, put the, take the fire away from you. Don't ever do that, go, go with the push. You're gonna end up at the right place somehow, somehow, whatever. It, it sounds crazy, but you're gonna end up at the right place. Thank so you. I listened, I listened to it. And uh, <clears throat> someone told me about their Get Variety. There was a little magazine called Variety that, that came out every day, which was the showbiz newspaper. I'm, I'm from down there and I'm familiar with that actually, yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and in there, they'd have like, I didn't have an agent, nothing like that, but they had open auditions ah. you know, for equity. I mean, and equity's professional theater. And um, they, they'd come out to LA and they cast for uh, um, national companies, Broadway shows, local shows. I mean, there was, there was a lot of theater. So um, I, there was a, uh, this audition now, before that, I was going to talent nights. Around LA at the time, they had these talent nights in, in midweek because all those, the clubs, it was a way to get people in because if you had a talent night, they figured you bring your friends in. Sure. 
So I had about four talent nights a week, Ye Little Club, Knickerbocker Hotel, um, um, Jack Halley's by CBS. And, you know, and it was a great place to be bad. So <laughs> really, it brought your, sheet, your, your, your wallet sheet music. You gave it to this grumpy piano player and you were off. But um, so I stood in my first non-equity line for theater. Equity, they, they, there's rules. They see the equity people first, that means people with their cards, and, and then anyone, then anybody that stands in the other line, they have to see, anybody. So I, I was anybody. So I stood in that line for hours at the, outside the Masonic Temple on Hollywood Boulevard in Los Angeles. <clears throat> uh, totally intimidated, because you get into this grandiose like building and all these great voices are just echoing throughout the whole whole place and you're thinking wait, 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 I have it just to back up for a second so you you were auditioning in particular for happy days no no this is this is way at the beginning oh I see okay it was just, it was just getting started in show business you want to I know see. how okay. it started yeah no I did I'll, yeah I'll jump from that okay good. That. Go ahead. but anyway uh yeah so anyway I get in there anyway anyway they finish the equity line they take the other the other line in and out in and out in and out in and out I get in they're so tired and talk about a grumpy cigar smoking piano player. He just wanted to get out of there. And there are four intimidating people behind a table in this big room. And I start singing Maine. You coach the blues right out of the horn, right? And I forget the words. I just go up <laughs> and I start making them up. And they start laughing. They're hysterical. And also I got through the whole song. I'm in the non-equity line. I got through the, even the equity guys didn't get through the whole song. <laughs> whole song, they're laughing. They go, do you dance? I go, yeah, I never had a dance lesson. I am the worst dancer ever on, on the, truly no gift. They go, well, we're having callbacks now. We, the people we like singing, it, you're gonna learn a routine in this other room with Bobby here, the choreographer, and then we'll bring you back in, see how you dance. I go, holy cow, I got through the, so I go in there and they're doing some big Bob Fosse, 82, big, boom, boom, one, two, five. And I'm going, I'm dead. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, I stood in back, in back, just kind of watched. And I'm going, I'm dead. I'm told, I mean, there's no way. There's no way. So they, they bring in a group. They bring in a group, right? Then our group goes in. And then um, I thought, I just said, what the heck? Why pretend? I go in front and, and I'm just funny. I just started making up. I just made, made, I just, heck with it. Just did personality. They're hysterical. They're hysterical. We get this whole thing and they go, um, and they go, um, and they go, they, like three other people, stay, stay, stay. Thank you, everybody. And then um, we start walking out and they go, oh, Anson, we want to talk to you. Can you wait? I'm like, oh, they're going to talk to me to get out of show business. You can, so I'm waiting. And, and back then you walked out with contracts. You literally walked out. And what it was, it was summer stock in Wichita, Kansas at the Century 2 Auditorium. They brought in stars. And then there was the, there, there was the company that did all the shows. Equity people from New York, from Chicago, from LA. They call me back in. They go, um, you sing pretty good. You can't dance at all, but you got something. Would you be willing to be an apprentice? I go, what? An apprentice. We'll pay you fifty dollars a week. We'll get your hotel room with twenty-five dollars a week. You have twenty-five bucks to live on. We'll set you up with something else. We're not giving you an airline ticket. You're going to drive out. We'll pay for gas. 
with this other, set me up with this other person. And um, he, they said, if we like you, we'll own you. You'll work 14 hours a day because not, not only are, are you in the shows, you're going to build the sets. You're going to do everything. So, um, and, the, and your reward's going to be, if you last, your last show, we'll give you an equity card. We'll give you a contract oh. for an equity card. There's a carrot dangling. Well, I got my equity card. Good for you. All right. First, and, and all by not, I broke every rule to get it. Couldn't dance, sing okay, but there was something. So, um, so then um, I'll get to it. Anyway, that started me in theater, blah, 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 blah. Work, 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 starving up and down and around. And then finally, I got a show in LA. Commercial agent saw me, signed me. I started making money doing commercials. And then I was able to just be in the entertainment business, but it's all safe to me. I mean, no one, no one helped other than after you got the job. But then, um, so then I got an acting agent. I started playing uh, a lot. I started getting cast a lot as a concerned boyfriend. It'd be like this long, it'd be like a five page scene with people. And I'm, I became the best reactor because I had one line a page. And I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm like, looking, cut to me. And I said, it's coming, it's coming. I understand. Then it's five pages. So, um, um, so, and then out of the, then out of the blue one day, and I don't think people realize there were two pilots for happiness, two of them. Oh, uh -huh. so. No Fonzie in it, no Ralphie in it. Marion was in it, Ron was in it, I was in it. No Fonzie character, no Ralphie character, character. Mr. Tom Bosley wasn't in it. But anyway, uh, I get the audition and it's pouring rain. Yes. Okay, because it's stalled. Okay. Um, there weren't any cell phones. You had to like, you know, remember you walked to a payphone. So um, I'm drenched. I look like a drowned rat. And now I'm waiting for the auto club for two hours. Finally comes in. Finally fix it. I could, I am so late for this audition. So late. I go, why even go? So again, there was this push, go buddy, just go. I felt, I, I felt it, it was like magic. Drive down to Paramount Studios, get the list, get into Millie Gussie's office who was head of television casting, walk in looking, I mean, literally looking like I was Swamp Man and I go up to the receptionist. I told her my name, oh, and she yells out, Anson Williams is finally here. Huh? And she goes, He's lucky we didn't cast the potsy. I go, what? I go, what's the potsy? She so I sit down. She comes out, little lady, gruff is coming. Get in here. All right. So anyway, I first thing I, I look over the sides back then. Look over the sides was the script. My friend Howie Schertzman. So I played Howie Schertzman. I go in there and I, I read. She goes, hold it, hold it. She goes in another room. And he goes, and she goes, I don't care if you're in wardrobe. He's perfect. Get down here. He's perfect. I don't even know what she's talking. She goes, go wet outside. I, now remember, I mean, it's, I mean, it's getting dark. It's I'm waiting outside. All of a sudden, this tired looking man, Gary Marshall, comes walking in. Go back in. Then I go back in, read again. And his first question was, do you play baseball? I'm putting, do you play, do you play? I go, yeah, I was an all-star. He goes, you're good. 
Yes, you read good too, but he's more interested in the baseball. He goes, can you wait outside? I wait outside. Ron Howard comes in, he was already cast. Hey, how are you? Now I'm reading with him. Then we're waiting and then all these people in suits come in and it's the network. I didn't even know what a network was. They go, so they go in again, do the whole, you know, they're laughing, they go, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That, what a waste of my time, thank you. I walk out and I walk out, I'm driving back, back, back home. Back then, the, there weren't all the machines anything for, you know, recording calls and all. and the phone's ringing and ringing and, and I says, where were you? Where were you? I go, in a car. You got the part. You need to be there tomorrow morning for wardrobe and the next morning you're shooting. You got the part. We're negotiating it now. Well, got the part, did the pilot. Um, Excuse me, what, what went through you when you heard that simple sentence? Um, it wasn't, it was just, um, I, I, you know, it was a part. I was like, oh God, I'm glad I'm booked. You know, I'm so happy I'm yeah. booked. It's a pilot. It's not a series. I mean, it's, it's a job, you know, it's a, and I, I didn't know what the show would become. It was like, it was a job. So I went, oh good. The rent's going to be paid next month. I mean, that's about what went through me. I say, okay. So, um, so I, um, you know, we do the pilot. It's, but it's much softer. It's like summer 42, much softer family show. Really nice, but didn't sell. Go, I go back to playing the concerned boyfriend parts. A year later, American Graffiti came out, big hit. Oh. Greece was on Broadway, ABC says, um, I do another happiness pilot, but this is more like graffiti. And did the second one have the cast that we know in it? You know, you're freezing here a little bit. Let's see if we can do something. We're gonna to have to wait. Let's see here. Um, you're back. Good, there you are. It just, it just froze, I don't know. Life is with glitches, you know? Go ahead. Especially with tech. Yes. So when I hope you're editing, but anyway. Um, not. You're kidding. Oh Never. my God. Go ahead. Then it's, then it's all my expressions are real now. What? Hmm? <laughs> what? It's not working. Oh, it's freezing. Oh, what? Anyway, um, uh, but this time Ron and I had a screen test. They thought we might be too old. I won't get into that whole thing, but we got the parts again. And, and, um, that, and, and they, thank God they created a little character called uh, Fonzie. Yeah. And, um, and John most actually auditioned for Potsy, but um, he didn't, I got it, but he, um, he was so good. They created Ralph for him. They created the part of Ralph for him. And I also, I just, no one knows I saved John Travolta's career, by the way. You know, do you know how much money John Travolta owes me? He owes me half his fortune. Absolutely owes me half his fortune. The first pilot, um, he, he was on the national tournament of Greece. But he played a part called Dewey, which is kind of this kind of potsy-like character, kind of a shy, kind of, no, not you know, not Barbarino and not you know Danny in right. Greece. Is oh, and they thought he'd be. He auditioned for Potsy, and I got it. I saved his life. I saved his life. So he got on the ABC list for 
and he got he got welcome back Carter. Barbarino, much better part for him. Yes, right? I can see that. Let me ask you something. So, you know, are are you still in touch with the cast? Yeah. And oh yeah. Forty seven years is very close. It, it seemed like it was a happy time. Well, it was an it was way different than ninety nine percent of the shows you get cast on because Gary Marshall was a teacher. Oh, nice. Mentor. He actually used. He liked us. He loved us, and he actually inspired us to have no egos, don't bother about dress rooms, don't bother about stuff that's not on screen. He, but he, he made the Paramount lot into a college of entertainment. We were able to lose, that's why we're still all busy. We were, we were able to learn so many areas of the entertainment, writing, directing, producing. So now um, you, you went on to do a lot of producing and directing after this. Yeah. By the way, this was like, what, 45 years ago? I started- Happy I, Days? Happy Days started in 1970. That is so shocking. It seems like only yesterday. Because, well, it keeps coming back like new because it was always old. Right. And, and a new cable network comes in. There it is again. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I'm the only one who hasn't aged. Anyway, that's <laughs> um, a joke. Yes, I understand. Well, you know, it is a joke, but I've got to say, there, there, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, like, what made you perfect for the part? And at the risk of embarrassing you, may I just jump right in? You, you did have that canonical, adorable teenage boy quality about you that, uh, uh, in, my, in my humble opinion, I mean, you were at my house every single week for years, so I know what I'm talking about, right? Yes, Posse was, you know, came to visit. It's an interesting relationship that we audience have with the actors because we're so familiar with you and we consider you somehow part of our lives and that's not reciprocated, you know, for obvious Well, I jumped out the tub. Pardon? Anyway, I just, I wanted to go I on. About I went, oh, I was just doing a song for intermission. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to move on to something else because I'm gathering. Oh, first of all, I learned something so interesting and Heimlich Maneuver. Oh yeah. So that's but so I read about that when I decided to just Google and see, you know, a little bit of what I could find out. And I was just fascinated because that's something that the entire world knew about. Yeah. And it, you know, it seemed like <coughs> certainly not an unimportant thing, but something that we just take for granted. The Heimlich maneuver. My husband wanted to put all our dining room chairs on casters so that if we needed to, we could just shove the guy next to us oh. right into the table level, you know, and it, you know, it seems like something you don't think about, of course, unless you've got an apricot pit stuck in your throat and then it's yeah. really important. And yeah. so it was this relative, I don't know why I find this so fascinating. The things that people do that are life-saving or life altering oh, and yeah. we kind of take for granted and we don't mm -hmm. actually pin it. So it was this uncle of yours. I just exactly. want to kind of, He's, he passed over three years ago, but at oh. 96. Wow. He, um, uh, but I call, he was my second cousin, but I've called him uncles ever since. Oh, yes. And um, actually, a lot of people know, know, know this. Happy Days had a tremendous amount to do with the Heimlich Maneuver getting national attention. Is that right? Oh, yeah. It's an interesting story. Um, 
Dr. Heimlich was, was, was married to Jane Murray, one of Arthur Murray's twin daughters. Uh-huh. And Jane was a pioneer in alternative medicine. She wrote the book, Dr. Doesn't Tell You. Okay. She broke, broke it open. Anyway, she had a big influence on Uncle Hank as far as alternative ways to help people. Not always surgery, not always. Even though he's head of the Jewish hospital in Cincinnati, he was a, a chest surgeon and all that. He also, it broadened him. Mm-hmm. He had a friend choked to death. Oh my goodness. Um, also, when he, the Red Cross was promoting hitting the back. Uh-huh. And he knew, you're not helping people, you're killing people. And he had this idea of like pushing it out, so. Sure, you go up to the diaphragm, yeah. And it doesn't, it, it just pushes air and it pushes out. Right. Pretty, but, he, but he did a lot of research and research on it and tests and all that and said, boy, he said, this is gonna save millions of lives. Wow. So, well, he started and the Red Cross did, never liked him because he was so uh, transparent. With, and Red Cross at the time was a, a, kind of a political organization. And don't ask, you know, I don't, they didn't like each other. And the Red Cross refused to accept the Heimlich Maneuver and they would counter it with other publicity. Don't use it, slap on the back. So Dr. Heimlich was really having a hard time. He'd get some regional publicity, but he's getting a hard time, real hard time to like expose it, like bam, get it out there. So he was visiting me on the happy day set and I didn't have that late a day. And I got a call on the set from the Merv Griffin show at the time. And I had done it a few times. You sing a song and then you get interviewed by Merv. Oh. And, um, and someone dropped out and they said, are you available, are you available to go on? Merv, Merv would like you to do it. I go, yeah. And I thought, yeah. So naively I'm thinking, hey, Hank, maybe we can get you on national television on the Merv Griffin show to do the maneuver. Like that would be possible, right? Like they have their own, they could care less, right? You go down, I'll just talk to Merv. He seems like this really nice guy. No, go down there, no Merv, he's busy. Um, rehearse the song, no, no Merv. The interviewer comes in, I'm sorry, he just can't, you know, he's really busy, do my interview. Okay, we tried. They put Dr. Heinlich in the audience, I come out my, during my turn, sing the song, and then there's a break, a commercial break. And that's when they take you over next to Merv to be interviewed. So, so I, I go, this is it, an elevator pitch. I tell Merv about the Heimlich Maneuver. And he goes, he goes, you know something? I read something about that. Oh, good, okay. And he said, yeah, I, he goes, yeah, that's very interesting. And then slights come up. Now, the director, Dick Carson, Johnny Carson's brother, the show didn't know it. No. My lights come on and goes, you know, I'm, I was going to interview Anson, but he told me something very interesting. Dr. Heimlich, are you in the audience? Stands up, interviews him, and, and he comes up on stage and he does the maneuver on Merv Griffin. Wonderful. So, so th- now that kind of led to your, you had a not so happy night where you almost fell asleep at the wheel, I'm aware of. Well, well what, now, it, how did that, how did that segue over to your I know he, inf- did he influence you about the alert drops? Yes, because, well, that was years later. Yes. Uh, the next, uh, what I want to say was after Griffin, three weeks later, he was on Johnny Carson. The oh. Booker of Carson saw that show. After that, it blew up. It became, it is what it is today. And I think it's in the Guinness Book of Records of one individual saving the most. Every, every, he's passed away. He lives every day saving generations. Wow. Every, 
single day. What a, what a legacy. Anyway, so, okay. so we stayed close for years, years and years and years. Years later, no, then, then well, quite a few years later, I was directing uh, w- w- way back. And um, it was a hot day on location. I was exhausted. I'm driving back home. And I felt, I just blacked out. I fell asleep at the wheel. Awful. And, and I, thank God I woke up quickly, didn't hurt anybody, but scared the heck out of me. Yes. I talked to Dr. Heimlich about it and he said, Anson, again, who's, a, who's this wonder, wonderkin of a mind with simple things, proven simple things. He said, Anson, take cut up lemons with you. And he explained how the citric acid in sour lemon will hit the lingual nerve on top of your tongue mm-hmm. and the automatic reflex of the body's adrenaline. Boop. You're up, you're alert, nothing in your oh. system. It's just like a doctor and he tests your reflexes. There's reflexes of tongue and brain. So is this, is this product now available all over like drugstores and Costco this, and? Actually we're meeting, we're actually having a meeting with Costco shortly. Right now it's online. Oh, it is. Okay, so that's important for people to know. It's very important. Alertjobs.com. If they go to alertjobs.com. By the way, all we made, I'll get to what, what the product is because it's, okay. it's better than you know. I'm gonna I, without without wanting to rush you only because we're limited in time. Um, uh, I, I just wanted to um, mention that I read, you know, thanks to you really that drowsy driving has become more of a problem than drunk driving. It, there's there are more deaths, more tragedies. Um, 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 with uh, more than drunk driving and medicated driving combined. Wow. And tragic. There are almost 200, this is through research, almost 200 drowsy drivers a year. One out of five fall asleep. Figure it out. Figure out the tragedy. It's just, it's just, it's just. Ca- yes. And especially since it's something that we can do something about, right? I want to ask you something just having, you know, listened to you from only because I'm about love letters. And if, if you were to write a love letter right now to somebody in your life, and there's so many people who have had an enormous positive influence in your life, who would it be to? And I know we're freezing a little bit again here. I don't know why this is happening, but. You're okay. back. There you are. So I, I wanted to ask you because I am about love letters. If you were to write a love letter right now to somebody, who would it be to? So many people in your life, positive inbound. I can think of a couple. <coughs> Cousin Heimlich, for starters. Yeah, one. Um, I, I actually think I would. Uh, I would find the most powerful uh, reporter. So I, because that, so that my love letter will get to everybody. That's that's a good point. Yes. Everybody. Yes. No, I, 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 whew, I have deep feelings. I have deep feelings for family and people. I, it's just and 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 there's there's so much they don't get to see. I've always been someone. I've always seen what I had, what I did, not what I didn't have. There's always opportunity, but we're made to we're made to look to to the right instead of the left. You know, there's opportunity in front of you. I, I love making people know they not feel they count know they count yes you know and also and and one lucky thing I've, I've had in my life um and i think like our current president we we've started at the bottom we we know what life is we know 
what, what the basics of life is really going to make you happy. You know, I, I, I started with nothing and then, okay. And then saw everything we thought was great. Stardom, you're a young kid, you're singing your concerts, this, and you find out that every cliche is true. It's the simplest things that make your life. The simple, you have it right in your own home. I don't care if you're a billionaire. And I'll tell you, most families that are on a limited income, I guarantee you're happier than that. But you're happier than that billionaire. You got more, because that billionaire. Right now, you know the truth of the matter is. I mean, you make a good point, and I'm touched by it when you say you started with nothing. You started with nothing material. Right. You started right. with an I mean, enormous amount genetically. Society, yeah, societally, society-wise, I didn't have much. Right. Um, um, DNA, whatever, whatever that it factor is, that that moves us, yes, thank, thanks, thank you. But I try to inspire other people. Let me give you a very quick story about that. In high school, you know, in high, I had to work, I always had to work to make any money. I tried to get a job at um, one particular restaurant in um, Burbank as a dishwasher, busboy. I didn't get it, but there's a famous story. There was a dishwasher, Hispanic dishwasher, not educated, what, and you go, what opportunity is there? Nothing. He said, just, no. He didn't like the soap. Uh -huh. He made his own soap and brought it in the restaurant. And so, and then the, he got some, they go, wait, can you, and he got some backers. He became a millionaire creating this soap that washed dishes better. <laughs> yes. Now, if he if, can if find out. If you have your eyes open to what's possible, huh? You bet. You, I totally believe that. I totally oh. believe that. We all, yeah. We know, but we all we need, we just need a little inspiration. Someone that just connects to that little bit of fire where it's like, they go, oh yeah, it kind of just, it, you're like a pilot light. It ignites, you know? Yes. And well, you know, you talked, to, you talked about that push. I want to thank you for doing this with me. It is so nice for me. And I know this isn't about me, but it is so nice to meet the man that Posse became. It's just wonderful. What oh, a wonderful you. man you. you are. Oh, thank you, dear. And, um, if there's something else that you ever want to talk about or present or do, I'm here. You're always That's, welcome to come back. Well, thank you. And again, everybody, go to alertdrops.com because it really will stop tragedies. And then, and then I even tell people, if you can't afford it or you don't want to buy you know, a high-powered lemon spray, which it is basically, right. have cut up lemons. Then, then if you're in an exhausting situation, have some cut up lemons with you because that could save your life. Okay, so let's just say this you know, end, end with something important here, alertdrops.com. Mm -hmm. Okay, just so we're clear and people can get this and keep it in their car. But I think, is there some indication that this is also good for other kinds of drowsy that overtake us? Like, oh, I, I, I mean, we don't have time to talk about this now, but you know, there's all kinds of isolation drowsy and- we, it, It's helped a lot with isolation fatigue. It helps kids <laughs> studying all night. They're not taking oh. a bunch of crap. It's for exhausted moms, dads, any workplace where you need to have clarity. It's for exhaustion. Okay, so this make is not at all. It's not at all limited then no. to no. Um, falling asleep at the wheel. Thank no. you for that. That's very important. Yeah, it, it's 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 for any type of exhaustion. Okay. Thank, you. okay, thank you for doing this with me. I hope we get to do something like this again. Absolutely. And you take good care of yourself. I can see that you're taking good care of a large part of the world. So, <laughs> Thank you. Until next time, Janet Gallen and Anson Williams saying goodbye. Talk to you later. Yeah. Bye.